Welcome to Profiles in Eccentricity, a show about weirdos, with your hosts, John Fahey, Aaron Peter, and Matt Brutzone. Hello folks, welcome to Profiles in Eccentricity. It's a show about weirdos, doggone it. My name is John Fahey. Joining me as ever, the pinnacle of perversion. You're going to like the way he looks. I Aaron Piet. Aaron Joseph Pita. Station. <laughs> to you, my friend. And a station to you. Oh. Hans- st- handsome Matt Brousseau. That's right. right. Thank you. How Thank are you. you, Matt? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, boys, we have a, a departure episode today. We're not talking about a weirdo. We're just having an interview with writer Chris Matheson, creator of Bill and Ted. Upcoming Face the Music movie, mm-hmm. Bill and Ted Face the Music. I'm sorry. Hi. Coming out in August, you know, uh, COVID allowing. Uh, uh, I don't know if it's going to be digital. Who's to say? Who's to say? But it um, will be a time. Yes. Uh, we're going to dive into this interview. Um, we, uh, you know, if you don't, you'll listen to the show and this is the first time for you. We usually do uh, biographies of strange people from uh, the past and the present. And if you want to check this out, it's, uh, you know, the best show uh, you can ever listen to. That's right. Uh, in, in your wildest dreams. Uh, forever. What dreams may come. Uh, and, yeah. uh, in the future, past. That's right. The, the best past. there ever was, the best there ever will be. Yeah. Um, so uh, we are going to get into the interview with Chris Matheson right now and join us afterward. Uh, and we'll, do, we'll we're gonna have a little discussion about how it went. Chris Matheson, you have... The Buddha Story coming out in August, as well as Bill and Ted Face the Music coming out in August as well. Welcome to the program. Hi. Thanks for having me. You are joined by uh, me. We've talked on the phone. Uh, John Fahey. Over there is Aaron Pita. That's me. uh, uh, I actually contacted you because it was Aaron's birthday. Yep. And Aaron um, has multiple times in front of me recited the entire movie of Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Off. From memory, scene by scene. <laughs> and Happy also, birthday. Oh, thank you. Honestly, I can't thank you so much. Uh, wow, that just hit me right in the face. <laughs> thank you so much for being here. And thank you, John. And thank you, Matt. Yeah, and Matt, Matt Rousseau is here as well. Um, and uh, so I wanted to go through a few things with you, um, starting with, you know, uh, you have, uh, you know, all these books published and all these movies made. And you grew up in in a writing family. Uh, uh, what was that like? I mean, were you just always doing this all your life? No, not not really. Um, I I think I was probably inclined towards wanting to do creative work, but when I was in high school and early college, I wanted to act. So I did that. I, I acted in plays for a few years, and then and then I wanted to direct plays after that. So I did that for a few years, and. I like went to, you know, graduate school in theater directing. And then I was about halfway through that. And I realized that I had a a very strong interest in comedy. Mm -hmm. And, um, and Ed Ed and I, Ed Solomon and I, who, you know, we wrote Bill and Ted together. We'd gotten to be friends by then. And I wanted to do comedy. And and I thought that film was a better medium Mm -hmm. for making comedy than theater. And I think it is a better medium for making comedy than theater because in theater, you kind of have to do it night after night, after night, after night, right? That's the, that's the deal. Whereas in film, you know, you just get it once you get, you get it right. You get it one time, right. And you've got it. And so, uh, 
I, I found more things funny on film, so I decided to take a shot at that. And um, I maybe avoided it, actually, because my dad was a pretty well-known writer. And, mm. you know, I didn't really want to go right up against that. Yeah. Um, but I did. <laughs> you know, and it did come kind of, it, it came pretty naturally, I guess, because I had grown up around it. Yeah. And, uh, and your brother um, was already writing then, too, right? My brother? Yeah, yeah. My brother is um, uh, has been a writer for a long time and uh, my sister wrote for uh rugrats for a number of years so she's she was the writer too that's that's wild i mean that's just uh you guys are all over our childhood and and and, and adolescence it's crazy yeah yeah Uh, we're all over we're all over pop culture (laughs) um so uh we talked about this we touched on a, a little bit but what is it like i mean having a movie uh, a, a long anticipated movie uh, coming out in, in in the middle of all of this COVID craziness. Huh. Well, the hope is well, it's strange. I mean, obviously it's a strange moment for everybody, right? I mean, it's just, it's just strange. The right. world looks different. The hope of, for Bill and Ted is that it's um, a good fit for the moment that if we can get it out in the next month or two, there's a lot of um, bad things that have happened over the last four to six months. <laughs> yeah. Um, a lot of stressful things. Mm-hmm. Right. And hopefully Bill and Ted face the music is, um, you know, as, as one of the producers of the movie said, it's intended to be a feel good movie at a feel bad time. Yeah, and um, you know, I hope that's what happens. I hope uh, we get it out, you know, the right way in the next month or so, and and I hope that's how it lands with people. Yeah, I mean, I I hope it's the uh, the song that changes the world. Uh, yeah, you know? we you know we've waited. <laughs> it's what uh, damn near thirty years already. Twenty twenty eight years. Yeah, and we'll I mean, a few, I uh, so. I want I want to return to to Bill and Ted a little bit later too. But real quick before before I I, I move on to the Buddha story. Um, what why do why, I think there's something special about Bill and Ted that makes them endure. And I think it's just this unlimited positivity of the characters, you know, that I think everybody is just so happy to see them come back. Would you? Do you think that's accurate? They are very positive. Yeah, yeah, they are. They're um, they have a very uh, they're not completely sunny. They 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 definitely have dark. There is a, a a dark side, right, to Bill and Ted for sure. But but they they have a, a positive kind of spirit to them, and uh, that made them from the very beginning for for Ed and and me really fun to write. Yeah, fun to kind of be because that's how we wrote it. We would just go back and forth as Bill and Ted, basically, <laughs> and they were really fun. they were really fun to play. And I, I think that Alex and Keanu have enjoyed playing with them yeah. for the same reason. They're, they're, it's, a, it's a really positive headspace to be in, in a way. <clears throat> and, I, I, yeah, I think, I think people have responded to, to that. Yeah. Um, yeah. My, my friend Richard Park saw Excellent Adventure for the first time, like, two months ago. <laughs> and wow. and he, uh, he loved it. You know, he just loved it. And, um, 
he hates everything. <laughs> and, uh, um, you know, I remember it coming out. I remember going to the video store as a kid, and I think I'm six when I'm in the video store looking at the posters for it. And it was just like, this is, it's not out, I haven't seen it yet, but this movie's cool. Right. You know, <laughs> it was just like one of those things where you knew it was going to be. And then they, they have remained, you know, from my childhood on is just like these incredibly uh, iconic characters. Um, how did you, how did you and Ed meet? Was that through like acting comedy stuff? How did Ed and I meet? Yeah. We um, we actually both took our first playwriting class together at wow. UCLA. And um there's probably 10 or 12 people in the class. And one of the other students was actually Shane Black, who mm. wrote, you oh, know, Lethal Weapon yeah, and, yeah. and uh, Last Boy Scout and a bunch of other stuff. And um, so we kind of got to know each other a little bit through that. And then because I was interested in directing plays, then I directed his, I directed a play that he'd written. Mm. And we spent a lot of time together um, at that point, because we were working on this play. And uh, we just started laughing together. We thought a lot of the same things were funny. And um, that's yeah, we kind of the name of the game, right? And, and, we, and we, hung out, we hung out a lot for, for uh, a few years there, especially right before we wrote Bill and Ted. Yeah. And um, so you're about 29 when the movie comes out, when the first movie comes out? When the first movie came out in 1989, I had just turned 30. Okay. And uh, how how long before then were you writing it? Well, we wrote it. Uh, we came up with the characters in 1983. Ah. We kind of did a, like a little improv group together, <laughs> not for an audience, just for fun. We'd just get together to kind of play with funny ideas and funny characters and Bill and Ted came out of that mm -hmm. and we just liked them and we just started goofing around with them and, and we would just play Bill and Ted for fun and, and just have phone conversations as Bill and Ted for fun. And then in 1984, we decided we'd, we'd, uh, we wanted to get into the movies if possible. So we wrote, we wrote the script in 84 mm -hmm. and it got filmed. I, I think in 87. Yeah, 87. And then it came out in 89. Yeah. So you wrote Bill and Ted before Back to the Future. So, I'm sorry, what? So you wrote this incredible time travel movie before it kind of had entered the mainstream, you know, in the 80s with Back to the Future. I don't know. What year, what year did Back to the Future come out? 85. 85. Yeah, we were not right. So when that's right, Back to the Future, um, we did have to change something in 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 Bill and Ted because the original time travel device was a van. It was a <laughs> 1969 Chevy van that Rufus just drove around, and Rufus was originally just kind of like this homeless 27 year old high school sophomore uh -huh. who lived in his van. Who for some reason his van could drive through time, oh my God. and uh, because of Back to the Future. Um, they, because of the DeLorean, they didn't want it to be a vehicle. Right. right. And none of none of us, we were all so clueless that we didn't know anything about Doctor Who. 
none of us had heard right. had even heard of it. Which, so, which is uh, funny too because Steve they had Harris, to change it from he, a refrigerator wants, to a DeLorean when they first wrote Back to the Future because they were worried about pe- kids getting stuck in refrigerators and they had to change it as well. It's kind of this crazy no time machine. Is, is that right? Yeah, they were going to have it be a refrigerator. They were worried about kids getting stuck in a refrigerator, so they changed it to a DeLorean. You wrote it as a van, and then you had to change it into a phone booth. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Wait, it originally, is this true? Yeah. Originally in Back to the Future, it was a refrigerator? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's really different. That's wild, because yeah. the DeLorean just feels so... But I guess people would say the phone booth feels very essential to Bill and Ted, you know? Right, so, totally. Uh, you know, the vehicle's the vehicle. Yeah. And ultimately, yeah. it doesn't really matter that much, I guess. But yeah. it, it, they, it ended up being, I mean, so iconic. I mean, I, I, I yeah. know a little bit about Doctor Who, but yeah. I think about phone booth time travel, I'm thinking about Bill and Ted. <laughs> and and you're, you're, so you're a young guy, and, um, I mean, this movie's coming out, and, you know... To, to show you, like, I grew up in Long Island, New York, right? And I see this, like, these guys, these Southern California characters, and they just they just explode all over the country. Like, everybody is doing, like, Bill and Ted impressions. Like, when this movie comes out, you're a young guy. I mean, that's just got to be, like, a crazy feeling, especially when your dad is already, like... Uh, you know, and you're, you know, everybody, like you said, is in the family is making these huge contributions to pop culture. I mean, what was that like for you? You know, it's 1989, and there's not a lot of, um, there's, you know, it's pre internet. Right? Yeah. So. I don't think I really had much of a sense of it, to tell you the truth. I mean, I was aware that it had, that it was doing pretty well at the box office, and I was aware that, you know, the studio wanted to make a sequel, so therefore it had to be doing pretty good. And, I mean, I was aware of stuff like that, but I didn't really have any... I mean, honestly, it's only as years have gone by because look, let's just say there's some eight year old, right. Who really digs it in 1989. Yeah. Well, I, there's no, really no way of knowing that. But <laughs> yeah. as years have gone by, um, Ed and I have had interactions with some of those eight year olds yeah. who have grown up and said, wow, that really meant a lot to me in 1989 or 1992 or 1997, you know, whatever. Sure. Um, I, I don't think either one of us really grasped it mm. in 1989, though. Not much. I didn't. Yeah. For uh, sure. Also, the- I, I had grown up around this, and so, and my dad had had some pretty, pretty serious successes yeah. that had landed, and so, uh, he, he, you know, stuff that people had really liked and talked about, and, and so it to, to the degree that I even did grasp it, and I don't think I did grasp it very much, mm-hmm. but to the degree that I did, it, it wouldn't have seemed completely new to me because I'd mm-hmm. seen it. I'd kind of seen it happen to him a mm-hmm. couple of times, a little bit. What did your dad think when it happened to you? Um, I don't know. You know, I remember him saying to me at one point. We didn't talk about it very much, actually, mm. but he said to me at one point. Uh, I've never really had anything like this happen in my career. I remember him saying that to me. That's and wild. I was like, and I was like, huh, well, I, that means something, I guess, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, I, uh, did, you, did you see you and your dad 
uh, uh, your 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 films mentioned side by side in Avengers Endgame? Oh, they were. Yeah, no. yeah. As uh, one of the characters is uh, talking about the rules of time travel, he uh, they're they're having this argument about what the rules of time travel are, and he and he starts saying, "Well, yeah, I learned from all these movies." And they talk about they they mention uh, somewhere in time, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, Back to the View. They mention all of them, but they specifically mention somewhere, somewhere in time. time and Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, pretty close to each other. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty funny. It's, that's pretty funny. Yeah. Somewhere in time is like such a. I mean. It's such a bizarre oh. version of time travel. Yeah. Like, basically, you can just more or less talk yourself into it. Yeah. You just put on the clothes. Yeah, just don't have a penny in your pocket. you lay on bed, and you say, it's 1895, it's 1895, it's 1895, and bang, it's 1895. I, that is just the wildest take on it. I kind of love it. Because yeah. it so completely strips out. Any device at all. Yeah, There's no, no phone device booth, no refrigerator. Right. It's the Beetlejuice Bloody Mary style of time <laughs> travel. <laughs> yeah, 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 basically, right. Do you have a, a favorite kind of uh, work of, of your father's? Uh, I like The Shrinking Man a lot. I, I think The Shrinking Man is really a, uh, a very powerful book. Yeah. I think it's a, it's, a, it's a very deep book. I think that he's talking in a really uh, deep and intuitive way mm-hmm. about male fears mm. yeah. that pertain to, you know, women and sexuality mm-hmm. and their role in the world. Yeah. And um, I think that's a pretty, pretty great book. Mm-hmm. I think there's parts of uh, I Am Legend that are that are fantastic. Yeah. I mean, when I was a kid, I don't know if any of you guys read I'm Legend. Yeah, yeah I, 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 I just reread it. I tell people to read that book all the time. I was actually okay. reading it right before the the lockdowns happened for the pandemic, like right before. Yeah. And the whole thing, you know, in the book, he realizes that the germ came from a bat, <laughs> and, yeah. it, and then it ended civilization. Oh, shit, I was right, freaking the fuck right. out. <laughs> I was just like, wow, this is way too yeah, real. I, I remember, gotta put it down. I remember being a kid. I was probably. 11 or 12. So pretty serious, you know, pretty heavy book to read. And I got to the thing with the dog. Oh, God. It brings the house down. It brings the house down. Oh, my God. And I went to him afterwards, and I just had tears in my eyes. I was like, Dad, how could you do that? How could you do that? And we oh my the dog god, that hit me so hard. Ugh. The dog yeah. licks his hand. Dude, and then oh that god. Uh, you're, yeah. I, I, I was my friend Jesse, who had the, the Bill and Ted uh, thing outside her wedding. I read I Am Legend when I lived with her, and I told her, I was like, you got to read this book. And I remember the room, the, I was doing the laundry room where I got to the thing where the dog licks his hand, and I was just absolutely gutted. And then, yes, and then yesterday... I was gutted for the first time uh, because it was it, it was the first time I I had read What Dreams May Come, and uh-huh. and uh, when I started reading it, I was I was in the Hollywood Forever Cemetery because it was one of the few places you could walk around during quarantine, and yeah. and I had already talked to you on the phone, and in that book, right. his name is Chris, and his son's name is Richard, and he's talking about being dead and. You know, just ty- trying to get to his son, and and I was crying in the cemetery. <laughs> uh, you know, thinking about my dad. You know, who passed away in '06, and and I just, uh, I um, what was that like for you to read? 
Well, that book is extremely autobiographical. Yeah. I mean, like, really autobiographical. Like, that's us. Yeah. Wow. Like, that's really, that's really us. Yeah. And he gives him, I mean, he, he, he uses my name for himself. Mm-hmm. And he yeah. and I were very, very close when yeah. I was growing up. We were very, very close. Spent a lot of time together. And uh, so, and then, so he named my character Ian, who's the youngest right. son. And um, yeah, it was, it was, it was weird. I remember reading it when I was like 18 or something. And I was, because that's when it came out. And I was like, damn, wow, this is like really directly uh about us it's just it's such a um, loving loving dedication to the to a family yeah you know at the same time in the end you know he goes and i mean you know it's a mixed bag right because in the end he goes and saves my mom from hell Mm -hmm. because you know she killed herself because she can't live without him sure and then then that so they're both dead so both the parents are dead and the kids are just like, well, you know, good luck, kids. You know, it's like, ah. Oh. <laughs> I know. And the thing is, we man, never, we so, don't hear anything more about them. It's just like, ah, you yeah. know, fuck it, whatever. <laughs> good luck, kids. Right, yeah. But then in the movie, they had a thing about it was there was a son connection. Yeah, they tried to solve it in the movie. Yeah. But it's, I think it's pretty weak. It's a pretty weak salt. Like Cuba Gooding somehow turns out to be their kid, or it's pretty strained. Yeah. I think like, my dad's version of it is just, it is what it is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. The kids are really important. The kids are really important. The kids are really important. You know what? The kids aren't that. Important, so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and there's a dog licking the hand. There's another is- dog, and it brought that brought me to tears too. Oh yeah, but. Oh, the dog's hugely. Oh, yeah, that's our beloved family dog named Katie. Yeah. Oh, we all love Katie. And Katie plays a very, uh, she plays a, actually the dogs. And then there's another dog when he goes to hell yeah. to rescue my mom. There's another one of our dogs yeah. there. And uh, they both play hugely important. Dogs, it's a very weird family I come from, actually. You know, like, very <laughs> strange anyway. family, uh-huh. in fact. And but one thing that I would say we all had in common and in a very genuine way, we loved our dogs, man. Yeah. We loved our dogs. And we <laughs> yeah. all I'm not sure we loved each other very much, but <laughs> we loved Same thing happened to me about a year dogs. ago. Like my family's pretty distant and not very emotional, but like we had this dog and when she died and we had to put her down like I have never yeah. seen my dad cry like that, or my br- I haven't seen yeah. anybody in my family come together and like be emotional around this uh, uh, for anything other than when this dog died, and it was just such like a, a lightning rod for emotion and love in our family. So I totally understand. Like, oh, man. I know it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, it's just sort of like they can be this vehicle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who is loved mm-hmm. by? I mean. <laughs> By everyone. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, the genuine love that he writes, um, both Katie and Ginger, who were, you know, two of our dogs growing up, is, is yeah, it's, it's really moving. Yeah. The, uh, the, um, that's, I mean, I, I would assume a lot of families don't have, the, you know, this outward expression of love. So that's why I was so fascinated with it, because, you know, it, it's one of those things where you go, like, I know my dad loves me. But, like, when you read this thing, you know, uh, from your dad, and he's talking about just, you know, it, it was, I, I just can't, I can't imagine being able to, to read these books and then just walk in the other room and be like, hey, what's up with this? <laughs> you know, uh, it's it's just a wild dynamic. I mean, I can't imagine what that must have been like. Uh, was he, was he, was he like really into talking about it? Like, 
Um, yeah, he would have talked about it. You know, I mean, he and I were, we were very, very close until I was about 25 years old. Yeah. <laughs> and then less so, I would say. But we were, like, he wrote it, when he wrote it, I was like 16, 17. Mm. And uh, we were very close. You know, yeah. we did a lot of stuff together. We went to Dodger games. And, right. And just went to the movies and went out to eat and hung out a lot, you know. Yeah. We were, it was good. And, uh, yeah, he would have been perfect. He would have been totally comfortable talking about it. I remember, I, I vaguely remember him saying, here's the book, um, you know, you play a meaningful role in it. Oh, and, wow. And I was happy. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I, w- I want to ask you about the, the, the Buddha story. Thank you for sending us yeah. copies. Yeah. That, was, uh, that was really nice. Oh, sure. Uh, we all, I read it like in an afternoon. Uh, it's very, very funny. <laughs> uh, uh, a great, great, you know, uh, Buddha relationship with Ananda. Just, oh my God. You know, a, a dynamic yeah. duo. <laughs> yeah, it's such like a pinky in the brain, almost like animated quality to, to the characters. I love it. <laughs> uh, we're going to take a quick break. And we're back. What 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 brought you to write the Buddha story? Oh, um, you know, I wrote a couple of books before that. One's called The Story of God, and one's called The Trouble with God, mm-hmm. where I kind of just made fun of the Bible, mm-hmm. where I kind of told the story of God using the the book itself as chapter and verse, and kind of stringing together this narrative of who God would have to be Mm. if the Bible is correct and how insane he'd have to be and how vindictive and how, how self-hating and, you know, et cetera. Like, who does this guy have to be in order for this to be true? And I just sort of tracked him from Genesis to Revelations. And then I thought, well, I'm going to keep following this character because he's an incredibly funny character to me. (laughs) So I sort of tracked him through the Quran and the Book of Mormon, because mm. I thought, I'm just going to keep following this guy, because he's <laughs> ridiculous everywhere he goes. <laughs> and then I was so, so I finished that, and I was, and I thought, well, you know, now what? And um, so then I just started looking into Buddhism, because they get such a pass, of right? Course. You know, yeah, somehow, yeah. like, that gets to be the one that's sort of cool, right? Yeah. Like, you can be a, you can be a cool person, you can be a serious person, right. you can be kind of a, an intellectual, and you can still be a Buddhist, and and I just started, and and I th- and I'd met a few American Buddhists, and I just thought you're just the most pretentious, yeah. sanctimonious, you know, <laughs> assholes I've ever met. I can't stand them, and so I started reading the stuff, their source material, and I thought, well, this is every bit. Th- th- they've just gotten they've gotten away with it here because this is every bit as laughable. Yeah. As you know, Christianity, the sexism, and it's every bit as mean spirited. Mm. Yeah, Mm. it's every bit as stupid. It's (laughs) totally fraudulent, Um, and it's really ugly and like nihilistic Mm. in the end. Mm. And and so I thought, yeah, I'm going to go after this one because I don't know. I like to do that. I, (laughs) I don't like these big these belief systems that claim absolute truth. Right. That really, really rubs, that, that really rubs me the wrong way. 
people who claim to know absolute truth right. because I just don't accept it. You mm-hmm. know, it's like, well, that's just bullshit. That is just on the face of it bullshit. Right. Nobody knows that. Nobody has access to that. Even if for some crazy reason you were the one who, who did know the absolute truth, you know, you wouldn't know you knew it. You'd have no way of knowing you knew it. Right. You, you know, you'd still have to wonder. And so this bullying thing of like, this is how reality is. And here's how you should live. Mm-hmm. And here's how you should think. And, and the dishonesty of it, which revolves around, um, you know, this has nothing to do with ego. In fact, strip away ego, but in, it's actually completely built around on ego. this guy's <laughs> ego. As completely, totally about his ego. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I thought, well, I'm just going to mock it because I don't like it. I don't like it. It bugs me. It irritates me. <laughs> and I don't know whether I can do anything to make anybody look at it differently. Right. But it was fun to write. And I try to find things that are engaging for me to write. Yeah. And, uh, you know, hopefully it's funny. Yeah, it, it's it very, very funny. funny. Very, um, <laughs> I mean, the way, the way you write it definitely highlights the absurdity of so many of the claims where he says, you know, this is not about ego, but once again, I am perfect and you must, you must refer to me as the perfect one and the most clean. And, but once again, I want to remind you, abolish all evil, all ego. Yeah. Uh, and he, he kind of speaks in almost these Trumpisms, yeah. which are just so perfect for the moment and, and so funny that like, yeah, I got, I got a lot of, a lot of notes of Trump and a lot of, um, just, uh, a spoiled, ignorant brat kind of vibes from the character that um... oh yeah oh he totally is yeah (laughs) he's you know this idea i mean it's like it's supposedly about no ego right supposedly about move on from ego and then but his nickname but the name he gives himself (laughs) is perfect one perfect one this has nothing to do with ego but call me perfect one it's like (laughs) you've got to be kidding me this is like ludicrous and he's such a dick you know and again i'm using their book yeah yeah i mean that's what i'm doing I'm you. I'm quoting it chapter and verse. I'm right. not making this shit up. Yeah, there are citations throughout of the book. Their yeah. book, yeah. like this is your guy. Yeah, I'm just mirroring back. Yeah, what you have told. These are all. <laughs> I didn't make up any of these stories. Yeah, these are their stories, and they think that they that these stories make their guy look great, but they don't make him look great. He's a complete <laughs> yeah. dick. He's a total dick. Uh, to his kid. He's a total dick to his wife. He's a total dick to his little, you know, his adoring sidekick, Ananda. He's a total dick to women. He couldn't be more of a braggart. Mm -hmm. He couldn't be more kind of self-centered and self- and at the end of the day, this belief system, you know, this so-called beautiful belief system is really like utterly nihilistic. You know, it's like What's what life is pain, life is pain, life is suffering, Mm -hmm. and the best thing you can possibly do is just die, is just die (laughs) and stay dead, you know. Because if you come back, it's just shitty, right? No matter what you, I find it no matter what you come back as, he says it's shitty. Yeah, you come back as a god, oh no, that's shitty. You come back as an animal, oh, that's shitty. You come back as a human being, no, that's shitty. They're all shitty, everything's shitty. The only thing that you should aspire to. Is to just be dead, yeah. dead. That's it. <laughs> non-existent. Like, and total. people think this is beautiful, yeah. Like and profound, yeah. And so, 
So I just wanted to take a few whacks at it, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's quite there's quite a, a payoff to the way you write it, too, when it ends in just a flood of diarrhea. <laughs> <laughs> at the end. Yeah. You know, there is a lot of shit and piss story. and puke. Yeah. <laughs> right. And you know that's got to be true. You know it's got to be true, oh, right? Because yeah. why oh, would yeah. they make that up? Yeah. He shit himself out. That's how he died. He <laughs> shit himself out. Yeah. But you, you, you cite one of the books where right after you write something to the effect of and never shit standing up for obvious reasons, and then you cite... It, they're so they clearly have a lot of thought about this stuff. <laughs> yeah, like one of the things, like, just so yeah. much about being a walking bag of shit and piss. Or, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just, they really were obsessed oh, with all that the disgusting oh, nature God. of being they a person. Hate, you know, these religious people, they hate the bodies so much. <laughs> yeah, the bodies so much the enemy mm. of human life. And of course, I look at that and it's like, well, I like the body. Yeah. I like sex. I like right. food. I like exercise. I like these things. I like being alive in right. my body. What are you idiots talking about? <laughs> yeah. You're yeah, crazy. It, it, it's this fantasy of what they don't have right. instead of enjoying what they do. And it's, it's bizarre. Yeah. It, yeah, it, it I mean, it's a death, and, it's a death cult like a lot of the other that's ones. That's how you should be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you, now you've got you've got you've got this. I mean, this is quite a theme running through your entire body of work. I mean, this is Rapture Palooza, and you know your books and uh, Bogus Journey. Bogus Journey has heaven and hell. Um, uh, this you've you yeah. spent quite a bit of of your career talking about uh, religion. I have. It's very very true. I am very drawn to it, and as a comedy writer. It's like there is no better found comedy <laughs> yeah. on earth yeah. Yeah. than these religious. No, none. I mean, absolutely none. And sometimes you have to look a little bit harder, like the Koran. You know, you have to kind of like study it a little mm -hmm. bit before you kind of get the joke of it. And then you get it and you're like, oh, all right. Got right. it. You know, yeah. the Book of Mormon is just overtly laughable <laughs> yeah. and is just overtly ab absurd. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I have. I really. Ri okay. You know, my dad, look, I was really close with my dad. I, yeah. I was for a really long time. And I really loved my dad. And he was a good man in many, many ways. But, <laughs> but, but. my dad claimed <laughs> to know absolute truth. My dad, when he was old, yeah. he, he did this CD called Reality. And I don't even know if you can find it online. Maybe a CD? You can. If you could, it's rare and probably costs 200 bucks. Right. But it's like, it's called, it's called Reality. And it's my dad, basically for like two hours straight, talking about absolute reality. Like he knows what absolute reality is. Wow. Yeah. And I, as I got older, I mean, it's the reason we drifted apart. Yeah. I really, really didn't like that. Yeah. I really bumped against that. Uh -huh. And he felt me bumping against that. And we started to argue yeah. and we started to get into it. And in time, I thought I'm going to make fun of it because I like making fun of things and it deserves it. <laughs> yeah. And you know, there's, there's, and there's an urgency to describe exact reasons things are happening in your dad's writing that I see. Uh, you know, it's, it's, he's, when, he's, when he's doing it in, in the books, I Am Legend, he's saying this is how the virus was. And, you know, when he's doing it in What Dreams May Come, he's saying this is exactly how hell is. There's, there's, he clearly needs to paint a full picture in his mind, I notice. And I, maybe that's where... Well, kind well of if, you look at, 
if you look at the end of what dreams may come, he's got this, you know, list of mm. like 200 books or something yeah. that he'd studied and he'd say, and I'd say, I don't believe any of what you believe Dad. I don't <laughs> believe in life. I don't believe any of this. Yeah. Yeah. I really don't. And I don't at all. I think it's all made up. And he was just scared. And he was like, well, look at my list of 200 books. <laughs> ah. I'm like, well, yeah, but I mean, you saw, so, I mean, anybody could find 200 books yep. to prove anything. You right. know what I mean? Did right. you read any books that argue against it? You right. just, Found a, but yes, he had done a tremendous amount of research to prove to himself uh, yeah. that this was true because he was terrified of dying. Terrified of wow. death. Terrified, yeah. terrified, terrified. He was so scared of dying. Yeah. And he just had to believe that he would continue to exist on the other side. Yeah. So he made it very, very real for himself. And when I challenged him, yeah, it, man, our relationship change yeah a lot yeah that's 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 intense that's uh that's it was actually it was yeah i think it's so interesting you know because there's this um you know on one side the 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 need to know and have this strict dogma uh with all the these religions and then you know then there's these kind of like two accidental bodhisattvas in bill and ted who just are kind of they come to us enlightened you know, they're extremely positive and full of light, and they just have, you know, be excellent to each other as, as their motto. And, you know, they didn't even want to be any sort of leaders. They just find out from the future that they are. They just kind of get thrown into it, yeah. which is almost like e- even more enlightened. I didn't seek out enlightenment. It just kind of came to us. And I think that's kind of like one of these things that is overlooked in the franchise. Yeah. Uh, I mean, let me let me be very upfront. The first time I saw Boga's Journey, it took mushrooms for the first time. So it really imprinted itself yeah. on me. But <laughs> I, I think that... <laughs> it yes, really... I heard you do the basically tell the entire story of Boga's Journey. Oh, and you like, did? You know, basically in one... In one breath, almost. It sounded like it was. Very, was it? Was it pretty good? It was. It was very impressive. It was. It was. Uh, Thank you so much. It was. It was. It, it was remarkable. I loved. I loved um, it so much. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it it is this kind of you know the um, I don't want to say the gospel, but it, there is a kind of um, a sweetness to them. Uh, they are you know they are good. Uh, and you can't say that about a lot of just, you know, for, I mean, I can't say that about Cheech and Chong. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, even, you know, a lot of, you know, obviously there's, there's been the, the, the other great comedy duos, you know, from, you know, Laurel and Hardy, et cetera. But, but there, there is, there is a, a real sweet purity to Bill and Ted and, and. Um, Even the nature of their speech is kind of poetic. Yeah. There's just a, a, a real lack of cynicism there. That's, that's so charming, I guess, you know? Um, it's, 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 it stands out from, you know, like a Wayne and Garth or, you know, anything like they're always kind of really, uh, they're not making fun of anything. Like they're just kind of being themselves. The the only thing they ever, I can think of that they ever do that is somewhat malicious is they Melvin death. (laughs) And and even then they have a sweet spot for death. You know, it's, um, which is, which is very poetic as well. They can even see. You know, as opposed to being completely uh, afraid of death and dying, these guys, they... They're like, this is what he does. Hey, he's death. Oh, come on, death. You're not so... Like, come on, let's go. I mean, it's just so... Uh, maybe I took too much mushrooms watching it, but uh, maybe I'm reading into it too much, but I really think there's something sweet about that. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm not sure. I don't know, man. Do you? Um, but do- I do. But I do know that like there have been times over the years where we've had moments where they're gonna lie or cheat or try and trick somebody. Mm. And we always bump up against those. And, and Keanu, in particular, is very sensitive to those. And he'll really notice those always and say, Bill and Ted wouldn't do that. <laughs> uh, That's so dope. And, and, you know, and he's right. Yeah. And so we always change it. They don't lie. Yeah. Do you they, have... They don't, they just... oh, God. Do you have any... Uh, do, you have any do you have any cool, uh, cool Keanu memories through the years? Um, you know, he was, he was just kind of a fascinating young guy when, when we first met him in 87, he was probably, he was in his early twenties, I guess. Mm -hmm. And he was, he was like, at the time I was like, man, he's like a being from another planet. You know, I just never met anybody like him. He had a completely different vibe, a completely different energy. Um, he was, he was uh very cool he was very cool he is very cool mm. actually yeah he he is fact um you can't pretend that you can't right. fake that well the way people perceive him now there's a lot of truth to it you know wow. he's he's a very very unusual and serious guy who's in fact really funny Strangely, yeah, but he is. He's he's, he's really quite funny. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, on the set, I mean, he he would just walk around like in a skirt on the first movie, and I was like, I hadn't met anybody who did that before. This was like 1987. And yeah. I was like, huh, that's interesting. <laughs> a strange cat, you uh-huh. know. And uh, that's weird. <laughs> he had really interesting. He would listen to The Clash. He liked The Clash. Cool. Yeah. He, he, and I remember him at one point. I had not seen The Evil Dead Part 2 at that time. Ah. Um, and I remember Keanu just going on, man, just going on this, like, you've got to see The Evil Dead Part 2, and acting out one of the scenes where the trees are, like, attacking them, and just doing this wild, you know, <laughs> oh kind of performance gosh. of it. And uh, it was funny. Wow. And, uh, That's so cool. That's really oh great. God. Man, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's a he's a really fascinating you know character that's just like he's a borderline mythic now in pop culture. I'm sure you you've noticed. Yeah, and you know, I mean, I get it because um, it's real. He's there, he's he's kind of the real deal. You know, he's actually a really cool dude, and his performance as Ted, circa 2020. I, it's really interesting. Mm. I mean, it's really, really interesting. And he goes for some darker things, mm-hmm. and he goes for some deeper things. Um, Alex does too, but Keanu, I would say uh, slightly more. Mm. Ted has Ted is still Ted, but Ted is got. There's a lot of pain in Ted. Oh. You know, Ted has like it's not easy being Ted. And you sure. can feel that. And there's a kind of a lurking sort of like he struggles with being Ted. And it's very interesting to watch. Yeah, yeah. There's something kind of behind those eyes you can see uh, in the character that is, you know, um, just like 
uh, why why am I always getting sent to military school? <laughs> you know, uh, they're like like why does this guy uh, you know give me such a hard time? Um, can you? Reveal any, you know, tasty tidbit exclusives for the program about where Bill and Ted uh, might uh, venture into in, in this in this round coming up and face the music? Well, I don't know if you've seen the trailer. I mean, the trailer kind of tells you certain things, mm-hmm. you know, that it, 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 it hasn't worked out. Right. right. They, that, that, that song that they were supposed to write that was going to save the world, they, they haven't come up with it. And then mm-hmm. they've been trying, you know, they've really been trying, but they haven't, they haven't come up with it. And, and they're, and that's hard, you know, cause that's a pretty heavy load to carry. Like in high school, mm-hmm. you're told you're going to save the world. Right. And now you're 50. Right. And you haven't. <laughs> yeah. And not even close. <laughs> and so that weighs on them. And, you know, they've got, you know, financial problems and they've got problems with their marriages and, you know, they're, they're, they, they're, they're tired. They're kind of worn out. And then somebody comes from the future and is like, okay, you've got to do this like now, like now, now, like you've got an hour and a half do like right now where the entire universe is basically going to end. So they have to come up with it like instantly. And then their big idea kind of, you know, I guess, and again, I mean, this has been in the trailer, so I don't think I'm revealing anything. Their big insight is like, well, wh- why don't we just go into our own future and steal it from our older selves? Because we know we're going to write it at some point. Yeah. So they just keep going into the into different versions of the future to, mm. to basically uh. find the song and steal it from themselves. But it doesn't go the way they it doesn't go the way they expect. Hijinks ensue. That's uh. That's a that's a that's a pretty that's a pretty good tease. I love it. That's a pretty good tease. Um, uh, would you would you do another one, or is this this going to be it for Bill and Ted? I think this is it. I mean, I wouldn't personally, mm. yeah. you know, because three's three's kind of the magic number, you mm-hmm. know, it's beginning, yeah. middle, and end. And, right. Um, I think this is. I think at the end of this movie, their journey is complete mm-hmm. emotionally yeah. i think it's complete and i wouldn't know i wouldn't have a clue what to do now right. if it works and there's an interest will other people want to push forward and you know try to explore that maybe would alex and keone want to participate i don't have any idea mm-hmm. actually mm-hmm. i have no idea yeah do you um do you have... Maybe they'd want to do it with their kids, you know, because <laughs> right. their daughters are yeah. important characters. So, you know, maybe ah. they'd want to do it with their daughters. I don't know. Maybe. Right. Yeah. Uh, do you have, um, like, a, a favorite, uh, like, book and or, or film of your own? Do I have a favorite a book personal of, favorite of, of, of my own or of someone else's? Just of your, of your, of your own writing. Is there something that is, is, or is it just whatever you're working on at the time, basically? Well, I'm proud of the Bill and Ted movies, you know, I mean, yeah. they're, they've done, they, I mean, I'm, I'm proud of all three of them in different ways. Um, so, you know, so probably, probably that, um, I mean, you know, the one movie that I ever got to direct, cause nobody really wanted to give me any money to direct, which I, I sort of understand. I wasn't really that good at it, but the one time that I ever got to do it, I, I made this little tiny movie called evil alien conquerors with, uh, Chris Parnell and Diedrich Bader oh, playing nice. these two, you know, aliens 
the idiot aliens who are supposed to take over Earth in 48 hours, but they have no special abilities and they have no weapons. and They've got nothing. They just basically have nothing. So they just sort of stomp around threatening people and failing again and again and again. Um, and, you know, that was super fun to make. And so I have a soft spot in my heart for that one because, you know, I mean, when you write and direct a, Sure. A movie, then that's the the realization of the little vision. So you know, I I, I like that one. Sweet. And you've uh, so you've got the Buddha story is coming out in August. Yes. And uh, do you have anything else? Do you know what's what else is um is next for you? Do you have anything in the in the hopper? No, I'm kind of just mulling it over. You know, I'm sort of I'm asking myself that very question. Yeah. What next? Right. And, yeah. Is and there, I've is... got a few things that I'm kind of tinkering with, but I don't know if there are anything mm-hmm. to tell you the truth. Um, and so I don't really know. I will. You know. Um, we'll see. My son and I recently. My son's a visual artist. Um, and, uh, he and I made this little thing just for fun, which we called God's art museum, which, um, you could watch if you wanted to, yeah. if you go to YouTube, God's art museum, Chris Matheson, right. it's basically God walking through his gigantic art museum and looking at all the paintings like, you know, by Michelangelo and Leonardo and uh. El Greco. I mean, all the greatest artists who, who've ever lived telling his story visually and just getting angrier and angrier because <laughs> all these like. paintings make him look stupid. <laughs> they always make him look stupid no matter what. Yeah. So that was, that, that's like a half, that's like a half hour long. And that's kind of a little thing we just did recently. That's we'll, really cool. We'll, we'll send, uh, we'll send people there. Did you, um, did, did you, uh, do you think you, you picked up like as, as you kind of like, you know, developed your voice, which obviously was, you know, this, this much more comedic voice than like your dad's. Um, but you yeah. still were kind of dealing yeah. in fantastic things, you know? I mean, were you, were you, uh, like how, how much of like all of, of the science fiction or, or fantasy stuff was just, uh, prevalent growing up, I guess. And, uh, how, how did you develop well, that? I think I, was, I think I was just steeped in it, you know, yeah. I just grew up in that. And right. so it just was my, reality and uh i remember you know many times having the conversation with my dad um where he would say change one thing it can be a big thing do make one fantastic leap and then tell the story completely truthfully and naturalistically Mm. to the best of your abilities and i thought that was a really good idea and in fact that is kind of his big idea that is kind of what he did mm. it's kind of why he's a part of why he's famous because oh. up to him up till him a lot of science fiction and fantasy i think i'm not an expert on it but i think it was kind of you know there was a lot of gothic horror and there was a lot of overblown right. stuff and my dad wrote in this very stripped down austere style yeah that was fantastic, and I certainly noticed that. Yeah, yeah, it definitely. It was it kind of brought in this realism to to sci-fi and fantasies. I mean, at least in in um, I Am Legend, yeah. it's it's very. It's like, well, I'm yeah. gonna go get gas today. You know, it's a very yeah. much of the day to day what ifs that kind of uh, yeah. make a unre- unrealistic situation that much more believable. Would you say that was uh, kind of uh, the best ad- advice you you'd heard? Um, as far as writing advice went? That was very good. You know, that was really, really good advice. 
Um, beyond that, I mean, I think one of the best pieces of advice he ever gave me was when you finish something, move on. Stop yeah. to the best of your ability. Just move on to the next thing. Yeah. Try not to think about, you know, I mean, you're gonna, of course you're yeah. gonna, but always try to be moving forward into the next thing so that your b- mind is into the next thing. Mm-hmm. So you don't get too hung up on worrying about what people are going to think about mm-hmm. what you just, the one you just finished right. so that in a way it's already in, in the past. In a way, it's like you're already past it. Right. emotionally somehow right. you're not it doesn't really work exactly but yeah. it's kind of a good idea just always keep moving forward my dad wrote every day every day man he was a machine he was a machine he would go to his little office which was on our property it was like a converted you know stall a yeah. horse stall and he would write for six eight hours Jeez. every single day of uh, i don't know if he took sunday off maybe he did maybe but not necessarily. Wow. Wow. And, and I mean, uh, what, uh, what would be the kind of approach you take to writing? And, uh, you know, any, any tips? Any tips? <laughs> any tips for uh, me and Aaron are writing a story. You have any tips for, uh, for writers that you give? Do I have any advice? Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's like anything else. I think you just kind of, I mean, <clears throat> I would say you just kind of have to do it. And I would say, I used to, I I would have said at one point, like, well, just write every day, just carve out time every day and write. Because that's what I would have, that's kind of what I've done. It's what I saw my dad do. But I've come to understand over the years that there's, like Shane Black, for instance, he would do no writing Mm. for like a long stretch of time, years and years, you know? And he'd say, you know, Oh, I've got to wait for the coffee to brew, you know, right. I've got to wait for the tea to get strong enough, you know, and, <laughs> and then it would be strong enough and he'd write it really fast. So I don't know if that's, it's like different writers have different rhythms, right? Um, you know, tell the truth. I mean, that, that's usually the best advice. I think, you know, like mm. you can't, um, people try to be clever and they try to think of clever ideas and they try to be, and you've got to be so clever for that to work. You've got to be more clever than anybody else almost because mm. a lot of people are trying to do that. But if you just really tell the truth and get out of the way mm-hmm. and, and really tell it, the stuff that hurts, mm-hmm. the stuff that you really feel, the, the, the genuine stuff, the stuff that you're scared of, the stuff you're mad at, the stuff that hurts, the stuff you're legitimately excited by and turned on by and, and the stuff that makes you laugh and the stuff, like i i gotta think that's anybody's best shot right yeah the, the stuff you can't fake is there uh yeah did you when you say when you say you were steeped in in, in all of the fantasy stuff like i mean was the, was like rod serling around the house and stuff when you were growing <laughs> up was he like babysitting <laughs> well he wasn't babysitting but he definitely would come over for dinner sometimes yeah oh, man yeah Oh, we'll go ahead and, what did yeah, you... him, him and Chuck Beaumont and, yeah. uh, wow. you know, probably Ray Bradbury on occasion, Damn. not very often, but on occasion. Yeah. yeah, it was like that. I mean, my dad knew all those people and, and worked for them and with them. Did you yeah. have, did you get, get any impression of uh, the kind of guy Sterling was? He seems like, uh, 
He seems like like the, like the most well-adjusted war veteran of all time. Somehow, <laughs> you know, like he seems like uh, he's like, well, that was then, and <laughs> now thanks gonna... to Chesterfield cigarettes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, man. I wish I wish I had something. I I don't have one <laughs> memory of Rod Serling. Yeah, Not but, a one. Well, I know he was there. Yeah. I know they went to his house. Uh, him and his wife's house. I don't. Rem- I don't have one. I was pretty young. You yeah. Know? yeah. I mean, this would have been when I was four, four and five years old. So I don't remember very much. I, I and I don't remember it. Then, I wish I did. There's something I wanted to ask you. Um, there's. I, I think Tarantino said one time where he says he thought, um, and he was talking about when he wrote True Romance and how he wasn't he wasn't present on set, and he said he thought that the writer should be there every day on set or not at all. Uh, did you? What was your approach when uh, when you and Ed were doing uh, the movies, or Imagine That, or Rapture? What, what's uh, are you around when when those movies are happening? Well, it's different for each one, you know. And I would say, with regard to the Bill and Ted movies, the first one, you know, we were really young, and and neither one of us was married, neither one of us had kids, so we were pretty much there the whole time. And by the way, this is all just contingent on the director, because if the director doesn't want you there, sure. then you're, you're not really going to be there. You know, yeah. um, it's all contingent upon that relationship with the director. But um, uh, the directors of the three Bill and Ted movies were all, you know, pretty cool in different ways. The second one, um, Bogus Journey, like by that time I was married and, and my wife and I had a, had a newborn child, yeah. our son. So, I wasn't there hardly at all. I remember going twice, three times. I mean, almost not at all. And then this third one, um, yeah, I was probably there about two and a half. Ed was there pretty much the whole time. Um, it filmed down in New Orleans, and he was he was pretty much there the whole time. And I, I think that I was probably there two, two and a half weeks, which felt about right to me. I didn't want to be there every day, but I definitely wanted to be there some of the time. So, you know, that's a, that seems like it, that, that sounds very um, Tarantino-esque. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's so, it's so stark. It's yeah. so black, yeah. it's so black and white. Rapture Palooza, they didn't want me there. Like, they basically just improvised that whole movie. Mm-hmm. They just kind of like, you know what? We're just gonna make shit up, and they did. There's my, it's, it's kind of, that one's kind of a bummer for me because yeah. a lot of what I wrote didn't end up on the screen. They just improvised. Yeah. Um, so they didn't want me there because they don't want the writer there if they're just gonna improvise. Right. And imagine that. Oh man, I would say maybe a day or two, hardly, <laughs> hardly at all. Right. Yeah. That's uh, that's um. <laughs> That's definitely a bummer. Just, uh, I mean, has, has there been much of that, like things you've seen just kind of like, where you've been like, oh, this is totally just not my thing at all? Like, has that happened very much? Where it just... The final product? Yeah, out. the final product is just totally not yours. Um, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it is a director's medium. Right. Right. Ultimately. They are... We are basically creating a map, and they are the ones who guide the boat voyage, if you want. And so that director just matters so much. Yeah. And you, you, you've kind of written a story, and they're going to tell the story. Sure. And 
Yeah, I would say I haven't been very happy, mostly. Um, the Bill and Ted movies, in varying degrees, um, I, I have been pretty happy with. Other than that, I don't really like anything that I've ever had filmed. The Rapture Palooza was really a disappointment because I, I thought it was pretty funny, actually. Yeah, and I, I didn't like. I didn't like. To me, they just kind of like did broy humor. Uh, mm-hmm. Fuck you, you know. <laughs> right. so I did, you know, just really, really crude, <laughs> stupid right. humor. I thought. I didn't like it. Yeah, the uh, there was there was the, one of the craziest stories I ever heard about a screenwriter just being like, "What the hell?" Was uh, this guy wrote this this screenplay about the Cuban Revolution, and he sold it, and then he started getting royalty checks, and he's like, "Oh, they must have made my my movie," and it was Dirty Dancing Havana Nights, <laughs> and they had turned it wow. into <laughs> just wow. like yeah. I mean, I guess that qualifies as just money falling out of the sky. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. You just um, cash the. Yeah. If, what, what would you say is um, the thing you are uh, into most about the upcoming Bill and Ted movie, uh, Face the Music? What's your What's your favorite kind of angle of it? Well, they're grown up, yeah. you know, and there and there's real. Our starting point for this one was like Christmas Carol, and it's a Wonderful Life. Ah, oh, um, great! It, it, it was, it was, um, there was pain, and uh, there. It goes to some pretty deep places and as i said the guys play that really really well and the director dean pariso directs that really well simultaneously it's still a bill and ted movie i Mm -hmm. mean it's pretty fun and ultimately pretty upbeat it's not gloomy right but i I think the jokes are coming from a pretty dark place Mm -hmm. at times um, and I'm I'm pleased with that. I think it's, uh, for lack of a better word, I think it's romantic. Wow. And I'm happy about that. That's great. I think great. it's a romantic it. movie. Yeah, I think it is, because um, a lot of comedies aren't, and a lot of comedies that I love aren't. You know, like, um, that just doesn't happen. Mm. Yeah. You know? Um, but these guys actually really love their wives, and they really love their kids and that's actually genuinely part of the movie Mm. and i'm happy about that because you know as much as i love the marx brothers as much as i love you know uh ricky bobby or ron burgundy they don't they that doesn't happen you know they don't yeah they don't they don't go to the they don't go to those places right and I wanted us to go to those places because I thought that was an important part of 30 years of past. Yeah. And they're, and they're not, um, they're not 17 year old boys in 50 year old men's body. Yeah. Yeah. The characters have grown. Yeah, I think so. Because Ed and I have, you know, we've grown up where, I mean, we're not, I mean, we were like when we made them up, we were in our early twenties. Right. Yeah. And now we're both 60, you know? Right. So it's like, yeah, they were going to be different, and they are. That's that's that's, that's, that's that's playing to the truth, right? That's that's being truthful. That's, that's great. That's really really cool. Um, 
I think uh, yeah. I think we, uh, we we got we got some great stuff here, man. I really loved this interview. I can't thank you enough uh, yeah. for doing the show. Um, I uh, I like I said, I would I would do this I'd do this every week. <laughs> anytime, anytime you want, <laughs> we'll carve out an hour. Yeah, we'll we'll just we'll schedule a weekly call. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know. Uh, Sta- station to you. Station to uh, you. Uh, 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 <laughs> and uh, uh, really, can't wait for the movie. Uh, love the book. Can't wait to see what you do next. And uh, thank you so, so much for doing the interview. Uh, it was fun talking to you guys. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Take care, Chris. You too. Bye-bye, guys. Hey, that was something. How about that shit? Mm-hmm. Ooh, boy. We got to... Uh... So we got some uh, some some scoopy, delicious scoopy. Got, got, no, some tasty little scoops. He was incredibly cool. Yes. I mean, uh, well, he's from L.A. He's yeah. <laughs> well, listen, people, okay, you I'll, know, listen, man, you know, I just get, I just get him. Okay. <laughs> yes. Okay? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right, he's talking about how Keanu was was like really different. Really he's is. Like, well, yeah. he's from Hawaii. Yeah. yeah. Like, very I was chill. like, well, you. I don't know if you've met Andros Jones. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's he's uh it's my kind of Keanu. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, shout out to Andros. We love you, buddy. Um, a. Uh, just uh, a really, really interesting time. Uh, I, I didn't know how open he'd be to talking about his dad and stuff. And he was super open about it. He was it. incredibly open. Uh, just a fascinating dynamic uh, between the two of them. Opens up and, you know, uh, I think that was, that was you know, an incredible eye-opening thing to hear mm-hmm. him talk about their, you know, splitting apart. And I, I you know, how... I do. I empathize with a dad fearing death and just wanting these explicit answers right. to be fact, and especially of his generation and um, and a guy who who served in the military in this you know time where everything seems so cut and dry. They are bad. We are good, and here's how you beat them. Right? Like, yeah. And and later generations, like Chris's generations, kind of was well. Is every? I mean, it's a little more black and white. Yeah. Uh, and let's and, and let's talk about it. Let's explore it. Yeah. Um, but it was yeah very very revealing and, and open about his relationship with his dad and mm-hmm. and oh, fuck man talk got to talk about Bill and Ted. I never thought I'd be able to fucking talk to talk about Bill and Ted to the guy that wrote it. Um, hi. Yeah, yeah. And it coming uh, coming from an improv place and him yeah. saying him saying that thing of like you just fucking hang out with people that make you laugh and yeah. that's where it comes from. It was like. Yeah. Yeah, fucked and up. And just being the characters, just we wrote it by just like I was Ted, he he was Bill, and just yeah, it's really cool stuff, man. Yeah, uh, the um, the stuff about you know it having heart at the end mm-hmm. was um, definitely what I'm excited most about um, for, for the upcoming movie, and yeah, uh, you know. I, I think it's it's one of the enduring things from his father's work that comes through him too, is that there's just a lot of heart there. Yeah, you know, uh, despite their differences, mm-hmm. both of them have you know this really uh, authentic going for your heart and showing you theirs kind of thing, um, which is fascinating. Yeah, um, two totally different voices, but there's still like those couple of things that go through, and it's yeah. a little bit of fantasy and a whole lot of heart. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I uh I was just that was uh I couldn't it couldn't have gone any better. Yeah. Um really excited to see the movie. 
Yeah. Uh, check out the Buddha. The Buddha story is Bo- funny. Yeah. Yes, it's very it does. Funny. And, and I'm going to go back and, and read some of his other stuff. It's and, also just like a great primer for Buddhism because I didn't know anything about it. Right. right. I didn't. Uh, and But then once you see the citations and you go like, oh, this is this is actually the story. Yeah, he cites yeah. anything and everything in there is meticulously uh, annotated or rather cited. It's cited. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah he just puts his flavor on it. And yeah, it's it's kind of the lay person's, but it's, but it's, it's in a, lay language. It's a it's a literal yeah kind of a literal interpretation. Yeah, uh, so I, I would like to go back and read some of the other stuff on the Judeo Christian God and and, um, and 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 Allah. Yeah, as well because it must be equally as hilarious. Yeah, I hope there's as much shit and piss in it as there is in the Buddha, the Buddha <laughs> yeah, story. A lot of there's lot of, so much oh, shit. Yeah. In, yeah, that's really everybody is a mean, vessel. If he only knew. If he only knew how much we love shit. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, I didn't want to get into that. <laughs> yeah. good um, but he said he liked the body. So, you know, we're, we're right there with him. Yeah. Bodily fluids. Uh, or, uh, gender, gender fluids. fluids. Well, yeah, and whatever it takes. Whatever you know? it takes. Um, I whatever whatever it day. takes it. Really great to tell him about Endgame. Oh, my God. Didn't know about that. Oh, so cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And then you blew his mind with that with the fridge thing. Yeah. That oh, was good. Yeah, yeah. He's like, an upright booth? <laughs> <laughs> that was our original? We wrote Damn it, we could have had a van. He's <laughs> <laughs> like a he's a, he's a 27 year old sophomore. <laughs> 27 year old. And then when you hear the name yeah, Rufus, you go like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's Rufus. Yeah. Right? Rufus is the name of a car that looks like a dog. It's wild, man. Like, Oh God, he's just like he's really he's really drugged up. He's yeah. just like on tons of drugs, and for some reason his van travels <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> Still played by George Carlin. Yeah, so so genius. Really great. Um, yeah, I, I was uh, yeah blown away by that. I I, I guess I, I I mean maybe I should tell everybody what started happening was Aaron had a birthday. I, you know, I had no money, so I was like, what can I do? And I was like, I went, well, what if I get the guy that 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 did uh, Bill and Ted? I just harangue him until he does the show. So then I called his manager, and I was getting ready to call his manager every day. <laughs> and I was just like, I'm just going to get this, I'm going to get this. And I called the second day, and then he immediately called me back. And I was like, oh, God. <laughs> and I said to him, I was like, uh, oh, yeah, we just want to talk, you know, uh, we do a show about weirdos, but we don't want to talk to you about that. Uh... We just, you know, uh, Aaron, you know, he just had a birthday, really likes Bill and Ted, and, um, you know, uh, we want to talk about, like, your dad, because <laughs> I, I was so shocked by him calling me, and then um, he's like, yeah, I'll do it, and I was like, oh, that's awesome, uh, so I'll just, I'll just text you here at this number, and he's like, yeah, that's fine, and I was like, I gotta tell you, man, I can't really believe I'm talking to you right now, <laughs> and he goes, well, here I am, <laughs> you know, and then... So then the trailer comes out. COVID is now erupted. <laughs> and I leave him a voicemail like, hey, man, we still want to do it. You know, blah, blah, blah. Like, I, you know, I hope your family's safe and all that. And I get a text. He goes, hey, John, have we talked before? <laughs> and I was like, damn it. And I'm like, oh, no. Oh, and, God. And I go, yeah, I called your manager. Then you called me. Profiles and Eccentricity Podcast. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm kind of busy now. Uh, don't really have time for that. But, you know, you know, my, my best to you. And I was like, damn it. And then it's like June sixteenth or whatever. Me from out of nowhere, same thread. Happy Father's Day! <laughs> <laughs> what a creep! <laughs> Such a psycho! And then and then like 
what was it, a couple of days ago? Yeah. He just texted me going, I have time for this now. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, Happy Father's Day. Is this because of the terrifying Happy Father's yes. Day from yes. out of nowhere? Yes. Wow, this guy really cares. About what? I don't know. Yeah. Well, he's, I, I guess he's... I don't know. I, I was, you know, I was really touched by the thing, you know, about him being named, you know, his father's thing and the what dreams may come thing. Yeah. yeah. And then obviously he's now working on stuff with his son. Yep. Uh, so maybe the Father's Day thing worked out. Well, you kept you kept you alive. I think it did. I don't know. But the whole thing started with you, Aaron. As yep. it begins and, and ends and always. I am the Alpha and the Omega. You're the be all and all Kendall. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, whoops. I, I didn't choose this life. It's a life that chose me. Yeah. I mean, it would have been nice if we could have had him here in the studio, but, uh, you know, circumstances considering. Right. Next time. Yeah. Once there's a vaccine and a time-traveling uh, refrigerator uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. van or something. Yeah. Uh, so, guys, uh, check out the Buddha story and uh, check out Bill and Ted Face the Music. Come and out. Uh, check out uh, the Patreon. Check out oh, the Patreon. Okay. Check out the Patreon. $5 a month to get an extra show a week. Uh... A lot of bangers on there right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we had some fun last time, man. Yeah, uh, I think uh, I think we'll get out of here. Yeah, hope you guys enjoyed it. We sure did. Yeah, be excellent to each other. I love you. My name is John Fahey. My name is Aaron Pita. Mepperso. Good night, everybody. We love you. Star Bands Audio, a podcast network.